This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the May 11th edition of Invest Talk. It is Friday. So, how can I do better than the average investor? How can you, how can we help each other? We're here to help. I want to help. And maybe you can help me. Maybe you have some answers that you can help me with. But I do thank you for spending this hour with me and me and Justin when we do this show. We do appreciate it. Now, we're celebrating Friday along with you. Our Friday always includes the distribution of our weekly premium newsletter. It goes out to our subscribers every Friday. I write it every Friday morning, early, and we get out, get it out as early as possible. I usually try to give you a sampling of its content here on the program. And that's something I'll do after I try to answer a question from our 24-hour listen line. I like to start off with that if I can. The number is 888-99-CHART. Here's a question that came in before today's program. Hello, guys. I'm calling to see if you can help us with stop losses. I know how to set one but I'm wondering where's the appropriate place to set one. Right now, J.P. Morgan Chase is at $110 and change. Would you set one at 108 107 I'm a 67-year-old man on fixed income, so I'm, I'm very, very conservative. But anyway, if you can give me some thoughts on that, I'd appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, uh, stop losses are hard. And for everybody, what they are, they're not hard. They're hard to know where to set them. That's the trick. A stop loss is what, at what point will that you can put a trade in that will automatically sell once it, once it gets to the stop loss so that you can limit your losses. You're stopping your losses. That's what stop losses are for. Right now, the stock at J.P. Morgan Chase is $113.86. And he wants to know, well, where would I set it? In this case, I would probably set it at a break of the 200-day moving average, which is about 104, 104. There's lots of support around 106. And I'm thinking that's where it's going to hold. But if it doesn't, then at 100, if it breaks below 104, I'd sell it. That's the 200-day moving average, by the way. There is no set rule of where to set a stop loss. You can't say, well, I'll just settle that uh, 5% fall from the top. Well, first of all, you got to determine where the top is. Second of all, why are you picking 5%? What if the stock that you have is very volatile and it goes up and down 3 4% a day? What if it's not volatile at all and it barely moves every day? Would a 5% make sense? Would a 10%? Make sense? Or would it make sense to see where on a chart where it generally tends to uh, stop going down? And and if it and you set your stop loss just below that because it tends to bounce at this certain level. It's very difficult. There's no one answer out there. There's no magic about it. You just remember in reading charts, and that's how you try to figure out stop losses, reading charts is an art, it's not a science. You're never gonna get a perfect answer. J.P. Morgan Chase, you know, it's a huge bank, as you probably all know. So, uh, thank you for the call. I appreciate that. Okay, um, 
let's take a look at the premium newsletter just briefly. I, and as you know, I do I do like to do that uh, every day. Um, under the current market conditions, which is the main section in the front, and the whole letter premium newsletter is about four pages long. And I mentioned everybody knows by now that most major economies around the world are growing and becoming healthier. And because of that, central banks are on the hunt for any signs of inflation. Why is inflation the enemy of economic expansion? Well, we discussed that. I mentioned why these why the central banks. Then we detail the economic reports this week in the newsletter. And we look at the market and continuing shakeout with the correction we're going through. Will it likely continue? Will we cover, you know, is it going to hang on? This has been one of the longest corrections. And I mentioned the time frames that normal connections happen. And I, we all talked about the corporate earnings that, you know, the, for the first quarter and how good they were. The newsletter always includes a couple of stock ideas, a section with just two two stocks listed, and we and we kind of point out the, the 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 high points of the stock that we like. The portfolio management section this week discussed three main types of investors. Which one are you? You have to discover which one you are. It's very very important. So then you know how and where you'll be comfortable investing in the market. The consumer watch section. I had a few cautious words for online sh online shoppers uh, that would likely be about all of us, wouldn't it? But, you know, there's things you can do to protect yourself from, you know, identity theft and those kinds of things. And to make sure whoever's on the other end of where you're shopping is legitimate. Okay, uh, so you gotta be you got to be careful. And so there's a snapshot of what the premium newsletter is all about, and that's what I did with it this week. You can subscribe and receive it every week, every Friday. Oh, and with a money-back guarantee for the first month, you don't like what you read or it's not helpful, just, you go, you know, you can cancel the subscription. No big deal. Just go to investtalk.com and click on the Invest Talk tab. Okay? Today, let's look at the list of topics on the Up for Discussion for this Friday session. Index funds versus ETFs. There are several issues to take into consideration. Which one's better? What do you think is better? It's going to be the main talking point today. I have some others I only want to talk about. Uh, I would like one more one more discussion of Q, Q, first quarter earnings, but something a little bit different. Not about the actual numbers that came in. Something different. I also want to discuss uh, volatility index, the fear index, VIX. Not not too many people have been mentioning it lately, and I want to talk about it a little bit today. It's very interesting what I see happening, and I think it, uh, it might be instructive for everybody. And something a little bit lighter on the light side about vacation, employees taking vacations. Do you think they're taking more vacation time or less? than last year. How about less than 10 years ago? More or less than 20 years ago? How about 20 years ago? We'll take that one day. Do you think we're taking less or more vacation days today than 20 years ago? I have those numbers. I'll share them with you. The market was, uh, well, it was, I guess you would call it mixed. The Dow was up 92 points. And I think that's the sixth or seventh day in a row that the Dow has been up. The NASDAQ, though, was down two points. 
Not a lot, but down. And the S&P was up five. So it was an overall probably up day, just kind of mixed a little bit. Um, and we've had, what, five or six up days. If you look at a chart, you'll see, oh, hey, the S&P the, uh, 500 has gone up. Uh, but if you look at it, it's still way below its highs it made in January. So it still has not, you know, it's not even close to be recovered yet. So that's okay. I'm just pointing it out. Just the way it is. And I think we're, you know, we're going to, it's going to be like this for a while. I think it's because you're in a midterm election year. And those years are usually not very good. But, but, this is what worries me. People say, I, I tell that, I say that. It's not a very good year. Midterm election years are not usually very good years if you're looking at past history. And so they get out. And that's the wrong move. Because it's not the year that you're in that you should be concerned about. It's next year and the year after that. Well, if the stats are at the bottom of the midterm election year, and we could have been, we could be at the bottom. I don't know. You know, maybe the 10, 12% correction, that's it. That could be it. At the at midterm election years average about 14 or 15% as a bottom, as a fall. Okay? So we might be near the bottom. But from that bottom, a year later from the bottom, wherever it comes in the midterm election year, the market has bond up on average 36%. So you don't get out. You look for a place to buy. It, it, it's memory. You're looking forward. You're looking forward. If you, if you don't see a recession coming down the road anytime soon, you, you definitely stay with the market. Okay, so what's on your mind? What do you guys want to talk about? According to a measure of volatility, there's less fear among investors right now. I'm going to talk about that today. That's week the, this week, the VIX closed below the 200-day moving average. And that's for the first time since January 12th. What, should you take comfort in that? Or should it be something you'd be cautious about? And we're going to talk about that. On any money topic, we'll talk about it. Just give me a call. This is Invest Talk on Financial Advisor Steve Peasley. The number is 888 99Chart. You can get through right now. You're listening to Invest Talk. Steve says in researching a stock you like and you're looking for opinions, Search out the analyst who doesn't like the stock and see why. Got questions about researching stocks? 888-99-CHART is how to ask it right now on Invest Talk. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. What do you guys want to talk about? How about we talk about buying mutual funds versus ETF? Which is better? And now... It's not, first of all, there's not that much difference between the two. Okay, mutual fund is managed by an individual and an ETF is usually not. It can be, usually not. Mutual fund, if you're just talking about index funds, mutual fund index funds and ETF index funds, let's say the S&P 500, there used to be a pretty big difference in the management costs, the fees. But now there's not. There's not a lot of difference. There's a little bit of tax advantage buying an ETF versus a mutual fund. So, uh, when you're talking about index, indexing, so that's probably a good thing. But, on the other hand, 
most uh, ETFs have a transaction cost. In other words, like trading a stock, you might you know, pay five, seven, nine dollars to make the trade. Where mutual funds, you don't. On the other hand, mutual funds many times have minimums. You got to spend at least twenty-five hundred bucks to buy a mutual fund. ETFs, you can buy one share. You know, so so the the, the pros and cons of both. And I don't. To be perfectly honest, I don't think the differences are enough. If you're going to index, I don't think it matters. So if it doesn't matter, I'd rather see you buy the ETF. Why? Only because it's more liquid. You can get out any time during the day, you know, that you want. So, you know, there's little pros and cons. And even these pros and cons are not that big of a deal. They're just not. Now, one thing I do like about ETFs better than mutual funds, and do you know that mutual funds have far more money in them than ETFs? Of course, they've been around a lot longer, too. But um, I do like ETFs because they slice and dice the market in little pieces, different parts of the market that you can invest in. You know, you can invest in gold. You can invest in a currency in a particular country. You can invest in a particular commodity uh, sector. Uh, you can you can invest in uh, uh, REITs. You can invest, and you give you instant diversification because you have a bunch of those entities in the ETF. And remember, you can buy one share. You have instant instant uh, diversification. I kind of like that. Kind of like that. Mutual funds, I kind of like the fact that you have a manager there, and if you buy the really good managers, he does better. So, as I said, there's not, the, the, the difference is, you know, it's, it's a personal choice of yours. What do you prefer? Now, remember, we need you to put in the talk in InvestHawk. I'm ready for any money questions. We can talk about the pharmaceutical industry, the healthcare stocks, I don't care. They're in the news today. Check in now, 888-99-CHART. Invest Talk continues on a service of KPP Financial. If you have a question about any of the investment programs from KPP, send a note to Steve or Justin. Just go to investtalk.com and click on Got a Question? If you want to get through right now, use our anytime number, 888-99-CHART. Hey, guys. Love the show. Just had a quick question. Um, I was wondering if you guys could check out Zest, Z-E-S-T. I got in about a month ago with an average price of $1.79. It crashed throughout April, and then it randomly shot up. Now it's back at 190 so I just wanted to get you guys' opinion. Also, another quick question is, which time frame on the chart should I be looking at in terms of uh, swing trading? Should I be looking at the five-day, the seven-day, the three-month, etc.? Thanks. Look forward to seeing you on the show. Okay, it's D-E-S-T, Destination, Destination Maturity, Maternity, uh, operates 515 maternity clothing stores, 705 lease departments in U.S., Puerto Rico, and Canada. And it's not $1.96, it's $2.96 right now, $2.96. I would take the money and run. Personally, they don't make money. They're not going to make money this year. They haven't made money in four years. 
Sales have finally turned around, went up 5% this most recent January. We don't have the first quarters yet. Before that, for eight quarters in a row, sales have been falling. So now you have a $2.96 stock, but no earnings. And it's risen from $1.90 to almost $3. It did this back in uh, the beginning of the year. It was right at about this rate, a little higher. But then it fell all the way down to $1.90, and now it's back. Personally, I think you take the money and run. The fundamentals are not there. It's a really small company, $43 million market cap, very high risk. So I'd take, I take, I'd, I'd be out of this in a heartbeat, just so you know. I wouldn't tolerate that kind of non-earnings. You know me, I want a company that makes money. If it doesn't make money, I don't, I'm not interested in it. I really am not. Now, will I ever take a chance on some company that doesn't make money? Sure. But there's got to be some pretty compelling reasons, and this one does not have those compelling reasons. Gene in North Carolina. How you doing, Gene? Hey, thanks for taking my call, Steve. I had a question thanks, about uh, mutual funds versus ETFs you were just talking about. It deals sure. with the what happens with mutual funds, usually in the mid-December when they have a capital gains distribution. Distribution, mm-hmm. And what I don't think it? I've ever seen that happen with ETFs, even if they invest in the same index as a mutual fund. Have you seen that, or do you know why they don't seem to distribute now, Gene, capital that's a, gains? I, I, I'm just going to tell you, Gene. Gene, that's an excellent question. Excellent question. Very few people even understand what a capital gains distribution is, let alone ask, how come we don't see much of that in the for, in the ETFs? I can tell you why. Okay, for everybody else, Gene, a, what happens in a mutual fund, you own the shares. Uh, toward the end of every year, they have what's called a capital gains distribution because inside the mutual fund, they're buying and selling stocks. And if they have capital gains, they want to distribute it so you can pay the taxes. Especially you when pay the taxes run up on the capital in the share price the previous year. Yeah. So you've got to be really conscious of that. Now, why doesn't that happen ETF? Why does it not? And this is why, Gene, because ETFs are so... If you own an ETF that you want to sell and I want to buy it, I buy it from you. There's no selling and buying inside the ETF. It holds on to the index. They don't have to. Or a mutual fund, if someone wants to sell wants to sell their shares, they have to sell the stock. Okay. Therefore, they realize a capital gain. But an ETF, it's usually exchanged between you and I. There's not much going inside inside there because they're they're holding the index or the sector or the fund. They're just holding on to the funds. They're not trading them to liquidate them to pay back somebody. I buy it from you. You buy it from me. You sell it, I buy it. You see the difference? So it's a it's a share it's a, a share to share exchange in the ETFs. ETFs. Where in the in the where mutual, mutual fund of one big the, account where they have to dip into yep. either they have to dip into the cash portion or they, if they don't have enough cash, they have to sell something. They have to sell shares, and they incur capital gains when they do. Exactly right. Good question, Gene. Very good question. Thanks a lot. Appreciate the call. Thank you. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. What's on your mind? Here's an investment term you should know. 
What is a leverage ratio? A leverage ratio. A leverage ratio is, is any one of several financial measurements that look at how much capital comes in the form of debt. Borrowed money, usually. Loan. It may also be assets of the, uh, uh, it, 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 it's about obligation, financial obligation. So it doesn't have to be just a loan. The leverage ratio is important Okay, leverage is important given that companies rely on a mixture of equity and debt to finance their operations. Companies borrow money. So, and knowing the amount of debt held by a company is useful in evaluating whether it can pay its debts, whether it can pay it off when they come due. You can read, like, I'll give you a company who can't pay its debts when it comes due, and that's Tesla. They're going to have to borrow a lot more money. And if you want to look up more details, you can always go to Investopedia. Get a better definition or more clear definition. So what's coming up on the next Invest Talk? Silver may still shine. That will be on the topics on Monday. Monday Invest Talk. We're here to answer your questions on any money topic. Call now, 888-99-CHART. Our podcast continues, but first, a reminder about our upcoming webinar. Invest Talk host Steve Peasley says, Without using fundamental and technical analysis, you're wearing a blindfold. With it, you have a valuable tool. You can look under the hood. Revenues, income. See the company's management structure, the strength of their business. Learn to transform technical data and pricing trends into an actionable trading strategy. Technical analysis doesn't tell you whether or not to buy a stock but it can tell you when to buy. Fundamental and technical analysis. Now, we don't promise in an hour you're going to be a master, but at least we'll get you familiar with what to look at, what to consider, what to do more homework on. Using fundamental and technical analysis to take your investing to the next level. And help you understand how to use two of the most powerful analysis tools that investors have. Register now on investtalk.com. That's investtalk with two T's, investtalk.com, and click on the Invest Talk tab. This is Invest Talk. Don't save up your question. Spend it right now. Talk to Steve. The anytime number 888-99-CHART. So, did you have you been watching the VIX? For all those who don't know what the VIX is, it's the volatility index. And what it is, it's a gauge of puts and calls, a gauge of the amount of puts and calls on the market. Meaning, let's see, I'm going to make this, uh, meaning that it will show you how, it's usually called the fear gate, it will show you how much confidence or fear okay are, is in the market the lower the number the lower the number usually the more confident the lower the number the less volatile the lower the number the more you know that the generally speaking the whole market goes up when it's calm and low now in February when the when the correction happened the well, let me give you some numbers, okay? Uh, right now, uh, it's at 
What is the average for the VIX over long periods of time between 19 and 20? It's at 12.65 right now. Okay, so that tells you that it's come way down because it spiked at like 27.28 back in February. Now, also, it fell below its 200-day moving average just this week. And that usually signals calming in the market. Now, notice that the stock price is still pretty volatile, but the fear that they had before is dissipating. Dissipating. What does that mean? That's kind of a bullish signal to stock investors that fear is slowing down, fear is going away, fear is being shaken out. And that is what the volatility index is trying to tell us. It's not a perfect gauge, it doesn't always act this way, but it's trying to tell us, in the, what it's trying to tell us, I think, is that the coming months are not gonna be as volatile as we've seen in the previous, you know, what, five months in the market, four months in the market. We're going to see some calming coming into the market. And I think people will appreciate that. Now, if we do, does that mean we've actually put in the bottom uh, of the cycle, the mid-year cycle already? Remember, we talked about it earlier in the show. Then I told you it was about 12% fall from the high. If that's the case, you buy the market. You buy it. Put, on money, put your money back to work, everybody. Time to think about putting money back to work. Okay, 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Love to talk to you. What do you want to talk about? Let's go back to the 24-hour hey, listener line. It's uh, Carl Cohen from Philadelphia. What's your opinion regarding an exchange-traded fund that invests in business development companies? It's called BIZD. Thanks. Bye-bye. B-I-Z-D at the Vanek Vector Business Development Income Fund. Uh, the, it's an ETF, exchange traded fund, so you can perform it. Remember I told you when we were just talking about funds versus ETFs, and I said, I like ETFs because they take, you can buy different slices of the market, different parts of the market, get instant, instant uh, diversification in that part of the market. And so this is an ETF that seeks correspondence, seeking correspondence performance to the market vectors of business development companies. So instead of buying just one business development company, you buy the ETF and there's a bunch of them. Okay, that's what I like about ETFs. Now, business development. Well, right now in a bull market that we have and a, a economy that's growing, this these business development companies usually do pretty well. Okay, you cannot rely on the dividend. And I know that's what you're looking at because it's 9.4%. They're very erratic over the years. You can't say, well, it pays 9%, so I'll get it and pay 9% last year, I'll get 9% this year, then 9% next year. No. When the economy has starts to take a dive, their dividends can go away completely. It's not as strong as you might realize. And that that is true for any outside dividend let me rephrase this. That's true for any dividend that is bigger than the standard average dividend out there. So if you're picking an industry that has a really high dividend and right now, well, that doesn't mean, that means there's more risk involved and that doesn't mean it can maintain it. 
But if you buy a company like Procter & Gamble, whose dividend they've been paying is 3%, I don't know what it is. Their dividend has been the same and slowly rising for decades. So it's pretty secure. But then you're going to say, well, it's low, though. But it's secure, and it always goes up. That has to be worth something compared to a dividend that pays 9%, but it's not secure. One year you get it, one year you won't. Do I like this area of the market? Well, as long as the economy is growing well, it, it probably will do well. But it's probably, it's for an income source, but it's not, it's a little erratic for me, you know, on an ongoing basis. You know, if I'm going to try to get income, I'd like it to be consistent. Market updates, forecasts, special watch lists, a list of real estate investment trusts, a list of ETFs that short the market, chart lessons, special investing info sheets, helping you manage a portfolio when you're nearing retirement or investing for income, and of course, an entire library of wealth webinars. This is our Invest Talk Insider program. You get into it for free. Visit investtalk.com and click on the Invest Talk tab. With the stock market's steady climb during the last year, you may need to get your portfolio back into balance to manage risk. Steve is happy to help you sort things out. His next visit to San Jose for portfolio reviews will be on June 6th. You can get on his schedule for that date, or you can do it by phone or Skype with Steve or Justin. To get your time set, just go to investtalk.com and click on the Invest Talk tab and then Portfolio Review. Hey guys, this is Ken from Indiana. I have a question about the uh, company ABX, the gold mining uh, company, and I wanted to know what your thoughts were. Thank you very much. ABX, everybody. Uh, Barrett Gold Corporation, Canadian uh, company engaged in the production of gold, copper in Canada, U.S., Peru, Chile, and, other, and nine other countries. It is a $15 billion, $16 billion market cap company, so it's a big company. Earnings in the last three or four quarters have gone down, and that's a problem with gold mining companies. They can go up and down, up and down. It's, you know... Uh, what supports them is a rising gold and silver, you know, precious metal prices. And they do very well in that kind of environment. They also do very well in an increasing inflationary environment. They do very well if, if the currency, dollar, U.S. dollar, Canadian dollar, wherever they are, goes down. Those are the things that they do very well. The stock market has having trouble. So all those things... Uh, supportive for gold mining companies. Now this one bottomed right around 11.50 or so back in March, and today is at 13.50. It was a high at the end of last year of about 15 bucks, and it's going to make 73 cents. Well, what's 73 cents worth? You know, what a 15 PE, a normal average PE. Well, that's about 10 or 11. So it's not cheap. It's not expensive. But it's right in the middle of where it probably will be and stay. So I don't find it over exciting, this particular uh, Barrett Gold Corporation, B, uh, ABX. I don't find it particularly compelling to own it at this price. I don't. 888 99 chart, 888 992 4278. 
What do you want to talk about? Now, you've seen we've we've seen earnings come in for the first quarter, and it was very very good, right? We talked about this earlier. Seventy to eight percent beat their expectations. Now, mind you, over they beat their expectations more than fifty percent of the time, all the time. But seventy-eight percent that beat is much higher, and seventy-five percent beat their sales expectation. So the numbers are really, really good, really good. But there's always a but. Usually, as investors, we're looking forward, right? Okay, the earnings came in great. Yeah, wonderful. Uh huh. The market kind of went. Uh huh. Big deal. Who cares? The bad part of this report. The bad part of all these earnings is the second quarter estimates, the quarter we're in now, have not been upgraded, even though the first quarters came in much better than expected. The second quarter is looking kind of weak compared to the first quarter. Now, try to put it in context. I'm not saying it's going to go down. I'm not saying that, you know, it's going to, you know, affect the stock prices on the downside, no, it just doesn't look. They're not being the the estimates by the corporations and the experts. They usually would up, you know, be upbeat because they had a great quarter, and then the next quarter is going to look really good too. But we just got a kind of a whole hum outlook. Why? Well, some are worried about the dollar. Dollar getting a little stronger. You know, they don't like that. Some are some are worried about doubts about global growth remaining strong or getting stronger. But that, there's really, that's about the only things that you can say that they're worried about, that we can see. And that worry is kind of weak. I mean, that excuse seems to kind of be kind of weak to me at this point. Might be political. I don't know. I don't think anybody has an answer, if you want the truth. Just know that the second quarter earnings are not as bright as the first quarter earnings. Let's get back to our 24-hour listener line and pick up another question. 888-99-CHART is our anytime number. Hi, Steve and Justin. Uh, my name is Wael. Um, I've been listening to your program for the last uh, couple of months, and I really enjoy your advice. And I uh, wanted to ask you a quick question. I have Micron that I bought at, price of average of around $56. And I was wondering if it's okay to keep that stock. I'm a long-term uh, investor and would like your advice about Micron symbol MU. I would really appreciate it. Thank you so much and looking forward to hear from you. Bye-bye. Well, actually, Micron's technology has been pretty impressive. MU is a symbol, makes DRAM, uh, Non-flash memory, uh, image sensors used in computers, servers, consumer electronics, that kind of thing. They're going to make $10.99 this year. That's up from $4.96 last year. That's a huge, huge increase, all right? Next year, they're going to make $9.90. So they're going from $10.99 this year to $9.90 next year. Sales... About eight quarters ago, sales were falling. Ever since then, sales have been growing in the most recent quarter, 58% sales growth. Now, the quarter before that most recent quarter was 71%. Before that was 92%. Now, 
What's the stock worth? What is it trading at? Well, it's trading at $51.82. $52.82, and they're going to make $11 next year. So what, the P.E. is under 5. Now, it's going to make $9.90 in 2019. This year, it's going to make ten ninety nine per share. So the, the, that means it's a little bit below 6, just a tad below 6 P.E. Return on return, return equity is 37%. Why is it so low? Why? Well, because it, it, you know, it, over history, it's been very erratic in its earnings. 2012, it lost $1.10. 2013, it lost $0.19. Cents. 2014, made $3.13. 2015, $2.65. 2016, $0.26. Cents. Then 2015, 17, four dollars and ninety-six cents, and then 2018, 10.99, 2019, 9.90. See how erratic that is? That's why the PE is so low. It's, it's return equity is very good at 37 uh, percent. I think the stock is pretty cheap at this price. If you wanted to be a buyer of Emra, uh, um, uh, Micron, this would be the price I would probably buy it. Uh, I, I was a lot of support in the high 40s, and it's only at 51.82, so it's not too far, you know, out of out of the uh, support area that it hit and bounced. So I kind of I kind of like it at this price, but you're going to have to live with the volatility of the earnings and the volatility of the stock price. It's just not very stable, and that's why the PE is so low. Okay, let's take one more call before the break. Hi, Steve and Justin. Uh, my name is YL. Um, I've been listening to your program for the last uh, couple of months, and I'm... Hi, my name is Edwin. Uh, I'm a new listener. My question is, could you please uh, talk more about what an ETF actually is, media investing, and it's a question that I've had and trying to get my head around. Thank you so much. Love the show. It's amazing. Okay. What is an ETF? First of all, you can go to investopedia.com. Anytime you have a trouble with a definition, anything uh, financial, they'll help you with that. But exchange traded fund is what that stands for. Exchange traded fund. It's kind of like a mutual fund. An ETF holds in its basket an index or a group of stocks or whatever is defined as its holding group of stocks or equities or bonds, whatever the definition. So it kind of holds that. And what it does is it sells shares, buys and sells shares of that basket that they're holding. You can buy the basket anytime you want. Okay? So it's, it's, a, it's a hybrid of a normal mutual fund, if you know what a normal mutual fund is. The difference is that it trades like a stock during the day. There's certain little differences. Now, Talk is all about answers, everybody. 888-99-CHART. This is Talk. Let's get back to your calls on Talk for this Friday, May 11th. Silver has been sleepy since its 2011 spike, but there are some fundamental factors supporting a bullish outlook. Silver may still shine. That's next time. You have a question for Steve right now. 888-99-CHART is how to reach him on Invest Talk. 
888-99 chart. We're going to go talk to Lee in San Mateo. How you doing, Lee? Hey, I'm just doing fine. Thank you for taking my call. I inherited some stocks back in 2015, and I'm trying to get rid of these two stocks, sort of penny stocks. The first one is OPK, and the second one is okay. COCP. Should I just get rid of them now, or should I well, have to wait? Well, Let's look at let's look at the first one. O P O P K is OPK Health Inc. It is a two point five billion dollar company, so it's a small cap company. Develops a broad range of mm -hmm. pharmaceutical products, diagnostic tests, and and vaccines. It's it's not making any money. I do not like owning stocks that don't make any money. This stock has recently shot up from three dollars and twenty eight cents to four dollars and fifty two cents in three days. And now yeah. it's going to be hitting some resistance. I would sell this one in a heartbeat. It's not going to make money. Okay. It's never made money. So I would sell this one now, now that it's okay. shot up like that. Okay. okay. And what was okay. the symbol of the other one? P-O-C-P. Charlie, Olive, Charlie, Paul, C-O-C-P. I think this stock reverse split in January. You... It's a penny stock, but they reverse split in January, I think. Uh -huh. Whenever and anything has a reverse split, that's pretty negative. You know, there's something uh -huh. wrong. Uh, I'd I, I probably get rid of this one, too. I, I just go ahead and bite okay. the bullet. And I'd move that money into something better. Because I, okay. I think yeah. we're, you know, you're going to get a good opportunity to buy something cheaper right now. As the market struggles through the summer, look for those spots that will look good to buy into. I think you'll find you'll get some better opportunities. Okay. Okay. Thank Thanks you so much. Appreciate Steve. the call. Okay. Have a good day. Thank you. So, are we taking more vacations now than let's say in 2000, 18 years ago? Well, right now, the average American takes 17.2 vacation days a year. The average American. That is a half a day more than last year. But in 2000, people took 20 days, 20 and a third days off a year. So we actually take less. In recent years, more, more vacation days, but not nearly as much as it was before the dot-com era. Isn't that interesting? But we're at the high peak since then. <laughs> okay, so uh, why? Well... It seems that employers are trying hard to hold on to their good good employees and they want them to take vacations so they don't get burned out and just quit. Fellow employees are also helping their compatriots to take time off. So it's kind of a double, uh, double whammy here as far as taking time off. Now, I'm thinking... 20 days? Man, I've never taken 20 days off in a year. I, uh, there's something wrong with me. 17 days? I, I, I think I average, if I get 10, if I take 10, maybe maybe 15 on a good year, I, I would take. And that's counting all the days. Okay, so maybe I'm just different. I don't know. 
Anyways, I thought that was interesting that, you know, people are starting to take more days off. They probably should take more days off. And that it wasn't also the high mark. I would have think that, you know, I didn't realize back 20 years ago they would take they took more time off than they do now. And you have to remember, this is in the U.S. Other parts of the world take a tremendous more days off, except for Japan. Now, we're, now we're talking about first world countries, right? Europe, all those guys, they take off whole summers, six weeks, eight weeks. I mean, geez, those guys take off everything. And that's probably why they're not very efficient. Their economy's not very good. Not, not nearly as resilient of our, as our economy and as most Asian economies. Because we're workers. Asians are extremely hardworking people. Not that other people are not hardworking. Don't get me wrong. It's just that they don't take time off. Time to close the hour. Remember, no matter where you live in the U.S., you can avail yourself of a free retirement portfolio review. Just go to investtalk.com and click on the Invest Talk tab. I'm financial advisor Steve Peasley, and Justin Klein and I thank you for being part of the show today. And let's do this again on Monday. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART.